Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. It is absolutely wonderful to be here and uh, we've just flown in yesterday from uh, uh, just over a week in India. Uh, Sue and I have the privilege for the C3 movement of being the South Asia Regional Directors and uh, we're part of a couple of different gatherings of uh, pastors and church planters. So last weekend we were, um, we were with a bunch of church planters, about uh, almost 100 church planters uh, in the state of Maharashtra and... Um, it was phenomenal just to uh, be with these people. Every one of them had a story of persecution of one sort or another. Uh, it's a pretty tough place to be, uh, to be a Christian in India right now. And, uh, but they were extraordinary men and women of faith. Uh, just very, very humbling to be amongst them. And uh, just to listen to their stories and encourage them and uh, build them. So uh, that was great. And then during the week, we... Um, we uh, ran a gathering for all our pastors and uh, across uh, the region, and that was just fantastic to do. And uh, we just had a wonderful time just encouraging them. Pastor Phil Pringle was with us, which was great. Uh, that was just a phenomenal answer of prayer that he got in. And, uh, and so we were just uh, really amazed at what God did over that time as well. So, um, yeah, uh, look, the C3 movement is growing across the, the planet, which is fantastic. Uh, not for the purpose of C3, but for the purpose of the gospel. And, uh, and that's what we're about as a movement of churches. And it has been phenomenal to watch what's happened here as uh, Quentin and Suzanne have moved back to Australia. And Matthew and Christelle have uh, gone, actually, that's your call, God. <laughs> and you suck a lot of air in when you sense the call of God on your life. Let me assure you of that. And uh, I... Well, Sue and I just want to uh, just honour these two because they've really done an amazing job already in this transition and, uh, and it is just phenomenal for us to be here and be able to support you guys and support the church. And, uh, and I, I, I've been in contact with both of them, but predominantly Matthew over quite a long time and um, just watched both of them really grow in their capacity to lead you and to lead the church, and uh, it has been phenomenal to watch their hunger for God and for, uh, for their love for you is so, so evident, and uh, just their desire to see the kingdom come in this city, and uh, really is just um, phenomenal just to watch them at work. I am very, very excited, as I've been praying for today and uh, this weekend, I've really sensed the, the Holy Spirit just give me an incredible excitement for you. I have, uh, a, there's no question, obviously with the transition, it's easy to say things like there's going to be a new season and all of those kinds of things. You know, there is a naturalness about that. But I actually feel something very strongly in the Spirit. Very strongly that God is going to cause expansion and growth, increase across you as a church. And that you need to find your place and find uh, some strength to carry the next. Uh, we've all around the world had the COVID pain, and, uh, but we're all coming out of that in varying ways and varying stages and speeds and all those kinds of things. 
And what it's requiring of us is fresh vision and fresh strength in this moment. And I feel very strongly for you as a church that you are to stand up and go, right, let's go. Just let's go. Not only in the context of behind the leadership Matthew and Christelle provide you, but, but also in that sense of, okay, what is it that God has given me to do and to be in this time and this hour? And as a church, I, 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 I'll say quite simply to you, this is too small. This place is too small for your future. Now, that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to need to move. It may mean that you multiply your services, all of those kinds of issues, because there's a whole bunch of ways you can cut that uh, up. But, but let me assure you, if all you see is this, it's too small. And you need to lift up your heart and lift up your eyes. And, uh, of course, Jesus says in John that we ought to lift up our eyes to see the harvest because it's actually white. It's ready for harvest. And so often what we do is we lift up our eyes and go, oh, I can't see anybody. The question you should be asking of the Lord at that point in time is, who is it in my circle right now you're already at work with? And listen to who he says, and they may be a surprise to you. All too often they're a surprise to you. And when you do that, just just pay more attention to them and see where God's already at work in them because he is already at work in those people who surround you. That's his, that, like, he's already doing things. What we've got to do is flow in behind with him rather than pick our pet projects of the really difficult person who's so anti-Christian or whatever it might be. Like, we really want to make a notch on our belt that we pull them to Christ. Stop that attitude. It's the attitude. Like, it really isn't a smart attitude. Go with the person that God's already at work with. And just be amazed because God's already at work. He's already sown seed. The Spirit of God is already at work in that person's life. And there are people in your orbit right now for whom that harvest is close. I have a very clear sense from the Holy Spirit for that for you. And you may go, oh, I've never led anybody to the Lord. Well, learn. And let me help you. The best way to do that is just have conversations about Christ. People are spiritually curious. And that, like, have you ever played hide and seek? Is that a game that we play? Yes? We all play that. You know, you never want to be the first found. Because that means you're in and you've got to find people next time. You don't want to be the first found. But you don't want to be the last found. And you certainly don't want to be the last by a long time found. Because that's just boring and the game really just kind of degenerates into no longer a game but just, you know, like a test of people's patience. That's not the game. So what do you do once you make sure that you're not the first found? There's a tell. You either put your foot out from behind the curtain. Oh, I see you. Oh, dear, I got found. You know? Or you make a rustling noise or something like that, you get found. People who are spiritually curious want to be found, and there are tells. There are things that you can see. If you've got eyes to see, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. What is it? You've led me to this person. I wouldn't have thought that they're close to you, Lord, but... But you, you've led me to this person and you what is it that you're going to show me that is their signal that they're currently open to the gospel, which is good. I've been racking my brain. It's Brian, isn't it? That's good. I haven't been here for four years and I saw you on the stage and I'm like, that's Brian. Um, I feel like I feel like there's a joy that the Holy Spirit is going to overwhelm you with. And people are going to notice it. And they're going to ask. 
what on earth are you on? What is going on? And in the right way, in the right, right context, just share your faith. And, and allow the words to come out as, as, you know, in the Gospels, Jesus says, at the right time, in the right manner, you'll have the right words. And just allow that to happen. And you'll be surprised by some of the people who will ask you. Some will not respond well, but they will come back later. Others will respond and you'll begin to have fresh conversation with people that you've not had and you really wondered whether you would ever have. But there's a sense of the Holy Spirit's joy that's going to overwhelm you afresh. Ha! Now, there he is, drummer man. I mentioned before, but I've forgotten your name. Emmanuel, that's it. Well, God with us, how could I forget that, hey? That's right. It's much easier if I come down from up there. I feel very strange being up on a stage. Uh, I feel like you are responsibly and appropriately restrained in certain contexts. But God is going to ask you to break out in other contexts. And you're going to need to find the discernment between the two where you're meant to be that sense of responsibly and appropriately restrained. And then in those other times where you're meant to absolutely break out. And what, that will, what will occur is people will be surprised at the power and the grace and the glory of God. And as you pursue both, both and, not one or the other, people will find Christ in both contexts because of who you are. Okay? Cool. That's good. Um, I might preach um, as well, but um, yeah. Anyway, if I get another word or two, I'll let you know. I, I, I remember it really well. A number of, quite a number of years ago, a friend of mine said, "Are oh, there touch footy team, touch football is a game where you play. That's kind of like rugby, which is a game I love to play, but which you know, you know, it's played in the nations of the Commonwealth rather than the nations of Europe, particularly. Although we've just managed to lose to Ireland and to Italy and to France and to and like, so it's played in Europe. And we still lose, which is just it's bad news for Australia right now. But touch football is, is kind of like rugby, but you only have to touch people. You don't actually have to tackle them and put them into the ground and hurt them as you do so, which is part of the fun of playing rugby sometimes. <laughs> I was asked to play touch footy many years ago in, a, in uh, this competition by this friend, and, uh, and I kind of went, ah, oh, I don't know. I just, I, you know, I was, you know, I'd finished playing sport like that. And I just went, no, I don't, I, I, I can watch, I can, that's, that, it's nice to watch, it's good to watch, it's good just to, to be on the sidelines to spectate at that point in time, and I, I um, but, but he prevailed, he came back a couple of times and said, no, no, we're really short, we need somebody, we just need a warm body, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I can be a warm body, I don't know what else I can be at this point in time. Anyway, so I turned up to the first game, and I, I, you know, I, you know, kind of had my runners on, and my shorts, and a t-shirt, and uh, and, and he said, look, just stop, don't, don't, you know, you're not on the field at the beginning, you're one of the subs, we have a number of subs, because it's a pretty fast game, and I'm going, yeah, it'll be fast, don't worry about that, I'll be right, that's easy, you know, it's like just, it's fantastic, so, anyway, he said, just watch for the first five minutes of the game, and then after that, you know, you'll probably, you know, somebody will want to be subbed, and just as soon as somebody puts their hand up, you look for somebody's hand, and you just, you put your hand up, and you swap with them, and I'm like, I can do that, so 
I stretched a little, not much because I don't stretch because, you know, I don't need to stretch. Well, at least I thought that at that point in time. About five minutes into the game, somebody lifts their hand and I'm thinking, only five minutes, you weaky, what is wrong with you? How can you be, you can't possibly be puffed out in five minutes. Anyway, so I'm like, yeah, I'm on. So I run onto the field and I'm, I'm, I'm like all set and all the rest of it and the first play goes and, and I start running and I, and three minutes I've got my hand up. <laughs> I am dead. I am like, I could not believe how fast this game was and how out of shape I was. It was really, really quite an eye-opener. I loved the season of touch footy. I loved it. I thought that just watching was going to be great because I was kind of past the... But I just loved participating. I loved getting into the mix of it all and having a go. And you know what? For many of us... We, we find so much more joy, so much more engagement, so much more life by participating in the things that are on our hearts, that we love to do, that we love to be part of. I, I, I have to tell you, being a participant in that was just so phenomenal. I love this series that you're doing, We the Church. I love what what you're being taught by God in the midst of it, in that sense of seeking God's presence and kingdom before anything else. You know, when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it makes a massive difference to the way we live our lives. We live counterculturally, quite powerfully counterculturally. I love the fact that you're intentionally following Jesus daily, desiring to become more like him. Because you know what? That takes us waking up with the new mercies that God has provided for the day, which will exhaust Be exhausted by that day and they don't come back tomorrow the same. But you'll get a new set for the next day. I love that fact that we can get to be intentional about our following of Jesus each day. And that there'll be a new opportunity, there'll be a new new context that we will find. A new person that we have a relationship with, that we're having a conversation with. Somebody who comes across our, our path one way or another and we will just experience God's goodness and grace in the midst of that. And I love the fact that we get to participate in the mission, in the story. Amy, to see our neighbourhoods, our region, our world flourishing, redeemed, on fire for Christ. That sense of participation is critical. And like I found, whilst I thought, oh, you know what, I may have finished up. You know, not that kind of participation from me. Very happy to watch. Just that experience of participation reignited something in me afresh. That sense sense of joy of being part of something that really just was where I needed to be and where I'm going to be. And Pastor Matthew has asked me to speak into this context to participate as you finish out this series, We the Church. And I have to tell you, Christianity is not a spectator sport. I listen to some people who describe Christianity in such a passive manner that it is a spectator sport for them. And I'm thinking to myself, you have just lost the heart of Christianity. To be the hands and feet, the heart of Christ to people is just such a privilege. I love what you're doing with City Hearts. It makes such a difference to people. Now, you know what? For so many people across the planet, the only way that they'll ever hear Jesus is when they experience Jesus' love through people. For many people, they have 
ears that are closed off to the words that we may say about Jesus because they, they have other needs which have closed their ears down. But when they see some love expressed in a way which is like, what, why, how, what the... It suddenly unblocks their ears because, because their heart got unblocked because their felt need has now been met. And their need, that deeper need of Christ is starting to be exposed and starting to activate afresh within them. And so what you're doing in City Hearts is critically important. Critically important in that regard. And it reminds us that Christianity is not a spectator sport. And the Old Testament... Uh, you know, only chosen men from the tribe of Levi could be ordained as priests. And now in the church age, every Christian has been adopted into the priesthood. And we're invited to engage in ministry as a result. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 and 9 and 10, we read these words. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by human beings but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a royal, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We are the living stones. You, I, everybody in this room who calls Jesus their Savior, their Lord. If you are a Christ follower, then you are one of those living stones. Regardless of your age, gender, race, whatever you may think may disqualify you of being that kind of living stone, of being part of that royal priesthood. No, 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 no. You are called into that place. And as a result, you have ministry. And you are a minister. And the priestly business of connecting people to God, which have been given to a bunch of Levites, and the Old Testament has now been given to you and to me, to every one of us who called Jesus their Lord and Savior. We have an extraordinary privilege, not just shuttle up here on a Sunday morning with the team. That's fantastic in this context. But you get to connect people to Christ as his priest, as that person who mediates Christ, God, into people's lives. And then when they come to faith, guess what? They don't need you to bring Christ to them. They have that relationship themselves. But in the meantime, whilst they are outside of Christ, you are that mediator of Christ, that priest to them. And every one of us has that opportunity. Every one of us has that privilege. And each one of us needs to do that in whatever way that is. You and I get the opportunity to be part of something great, to be ministers of the church that Christ has called here in Melbourne. It's not Pastor Matthew and Pastor Christelle's job description to do the ministry. I know you know that, but let me remind you. It's not their job to do the ministry in this place. And they'll play a key role, that's no doubt, but their key roles are in casting vision. That's one of their key roles. In preaching and teaching, that's another one of their key roles. In leading the leaders of the church 
and in creating the culture of the church. They are the four key roles that senior ministers fulfill. But you can see that those four roles are quite different from a whole lot of other roles that are within the church. And if they were to do everything, you would have nothing to do, which would make you probably not much of a Christian, to be honest. But for you to ask them to do the things which they shouldn't be doing is actually to burden them because they'll still have to do all of those kinds of things. And suddenly they're left with very, well, too much to do and you're left with too little to do. And I love the fact that you have leaders who know the sense of those boundaries, who make sure that they actually stay on track with what they're given to do. But what that means is that for everybody across the church, you've got to rise up and go, I'm a minister. I am an able minister of the Spirit. That's the way Paul describes you. I love that thought. And you may think, oh, I'm not sure about how good I might be or what, like, start. You never start complete. You never start perfect. Not that anybody ever reaches that perfection, I might add, either. Start where you are. Faithfulness in little things leads to faithfulness in much. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. If you think, oh, it's small and insignificant, it may not matter. Who knows whether it'll even be noticed within the church. Guess what? Start. Do what it is that you sense God has called you to do. Be who God has called you to be. And in that, you will watch the power of God flow. You'll watch God make himself present. Everyone gets to play a part in everything else that comes across the church. Everyone gets to work together to connect people to God and help each other in our spiritual journeys. I love that fact. Back in, in Carlingford, we, we, we've led the church for 28 years. We planted it and it's been a phenomenal ride. Just amazing to see what God has done over the years. Just extraordinary. But I am so, so, so aware that it's not Sue and my church. That kind of language is just so wrong. It's not funny. This is our church together. And I know that's the case in the heart of C3 Malma. And I know for me, I am so thankful to the Lord for the people he's brought into our church over the years. Men and women of great faith. Some who've come in incredibly broken. And yet God over time has restored and healed and helped them to recover that which God had placed in them when he designed them. But it had been broken by sin and by, by offense and other things that had come into their worlds and just separated them from God in one form or another. And as they've come, they've progressively got healed. And you just watch God at work. You get amazed at what he's done. In large and little ways. Sometimes we look just for the large things. Let me help you. Look for the little things that God is doing. Because so often it's in the little things that you start to see some fresh work of the Spirit in a person's life. And you get to work with Him in that. Everyone gets to work within one another's spiritual journeys. And, and we do this because of God's mercy toward us. That's what Peter reminds us of. We know all too well how much we need God's mercy. I said yesterday in the leaders' gathering that if you haven't had one of those fresh encounters with God's grace over the last 18 months or two years or something like that, let me help you. Pray that you would encounter God's grace afresh. 
Because when God just fills you with a sense of his grace afresh, your heart for others just, just bursts out of your heart. Because you realize just how magnificent, how magnificent God has been in bringing life to you, hope to you, faith to you, salvation to you. We know how amazing God's grace is to save us, to transform us, to develop us, to grow us. And now because of God's mercy to us, we get to share that same mercy with those people who surround us. We get to participate because we are a royal priesthood. The people who connect people to Christ. What an amazing privilege we have. What an amazing privilege we have. Paul gives us some more of our job description in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. This pathway where we are raised to new life in Christ through faith doesn't just result in our salvation, making us new people, but also results in us fulfilling our God-given reason for existing, what he placed us on the planet for. Perhaps these scriptures are familiar to you. Let me read them to you again, Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do to participate in good works. The result of your salvation is not simply that you can go, I'm saved! As good and as wonderful as that is, and it is, it is now to fulfill that which God put you on the planet for. The good works he's prepared for you. And he looked at you and he went, yeah, that is what you're here for. And you may think, oh, there's nothing that special about me. Well, why do you have to be special to be used by God? Why do you want to be put on some kind of pedestal of one sort or another? For years, I, I used to struggle. I'm not very special, so God will overlook me. And I, and I used to think that doesn't, you know, like because I'm not special, I wasn't, I, the comparison thing with Richard Botter was just a plague. And I always compare myself lower to the person who surrounded me. Because I had this word special, that I wasn't special or whatever. And then one day God spoke to me and said, why do you have to be special? And I thought to myself, you mean I could be ordinary and used by God? Oh. That took quite a while to sink through this head. I could be ordinary and used by God. You can be ordinary and used by God. You don't have to be special. You don't have to do something special. You don't have, it will be unique if that's what you mean by special. But so often special, at least in my mind, was something quite grand and glorious kind of framework. And God just challenged me and said, no, 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 no. Don't think like that. You don't have to be grand or glorious. You can just be seriously ordinary, Richard. And it lifted an amazing weight off my shoulders of trying to perform, which God does not want me to do. He wants me to be me, and he will anoint me. He will anoint you in who you are, not because you're trying to be somebody else. And that's not to suggest we shouldn't follow great leaders or have great role models and things like that. Of course we should, 
but don't try to be them, just, just learn from them. And allow the ordinariness that you are, because let's face it, most of us really think we're pretty ordinary. Just allow that ordinariness to be anointed by Christ. To allow his spirit to come upon that ordinariness. And you watch God do the extraordinary. Let your natural be infused by God's spirit to become his supernatural. Don't try to be supernatural. Don't try to be extraordinary. extraordinary. Just be yourself and let God's spirit fulfill you, strengthen you, anoint you, so that your natural, your ordinary becomes the supernatural of God and the extraordinary of God. You were created by Christ Jesus to fulfill works that he thought when he was when he thought about you, and, and sometimes we don't even think that he thought about us, but he thought about you when, when you were, before you were even conceived, he thought, I want one of them on the planet. And this is why I need them. And for us to spectate and not participate means that that which God has put in you to bring into the planet, to enrich those who surround you, to show the magnificence of who God is, doesn't get done. Not in the same way and the same magnificence that you would bring through your ordinariness. God put you here on the planet because he looked at you and went, I need one of them. Doesn't need two, just one. One who's sold out and prepared to do whatever it is that God calls you to do and to be. Good works are all about showing compassion for the vulnerable, loving people, sacrificing our time, our talent, our money for the Lord, getting engaged in the context of ministry that God has called you to be and to do because we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're here to participate. We're here to get engaged. These good works are a myriad of different kinds of things, from, from things within the context of the congregation to things beyond the congregation, like city hearts and other things, things within our workplaces or where we're studying, wherever it may be, those good works will come to the fore. Well before I came into ministry, and I've been in it for just over 30 years, I used to, be, I used to work as an engineer, a consultant engineer. And God, just people would walk through my office and sit down in front of me and say, Richard, I just need to talk to you about something. And I'm like, okay, what's the engineering problem we've got to talk about? And they would share their hearts with me. And I'm like, what is it? Is there something on my forehead or on my door that I can't see that says, talk to this bloke, he'll listen? And I was just being me, being very ordinary Richard. In fact, very ordinary and insecure Richard at that point in time because I wasn't a very good engineer and I kept thinking, when are they going to sack me? Because, like, seriously, I could manage people and projects. I just couldn't do the technical things. And that's not good when you're a mining engineer and the mine might collapse as a result because that's not a good thing. But people would walk through the door and, you know, after a 20-minute or a half-an-hour conversation, they go, oh, I needed that. Thank you. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. I just listened. Like, you just... Verbal diarrhea, just, you just kept, and, and I sat here and, and you're walking out going, huh, 
I feel better now. And I'm like, huh? Maybe in your workplace, that that sense of those good works is going to come to the fore. It may be in another context in here in church, wherever it is, find those things that God placed you on the planet to do. Like going the extra mile, by being a listening ear. Being the extension of Jesus' hands and feet into the community that surrounds you. God's grace at work in you and through you. God's power through you. Showing God's mercy, showing God's heart for a broken and lost world. For fully devoted followers of Jesus, participation isn't optional. You don't get to opt in or out based on your mood of the day. You are a disciple of Christ. And that means you participate. And that's the lifeblood of devotion to Christ, where we show others Jesus' heart of love. Our motivation comes from knowing how much God loves us and what he did by forgiving our sins. And as a result, we choose to show that same love to others by participating in his kingdom call. We find our purpose by seeking Seeking God, His kingdom, His presence. We follow Jesus intentionally and we participate in His mission. If we're going to be the church. And if C3 Malmo is going to be the great church that God is calling it to be. No matter where you find yourself living or working, God is inviting you to to participate in His mission. And you may think that you know what that looks like this morning. Fantastic. Let me ask you to ask God afresh whether he wants to add something to that today. Maybe you're unfamiliar with what it is that God's placed you on the planet for. Let me help you. You've got great people around you as your connect group leaders, as Matthew and Christelle, as your pastors, who will help guide you, speak into your life what they see over you and the capacity that God has given to you because you're designed with purpose and there are good works that God has put you on this planet to fulfill so let God inspire you to participate in his mission